absolute truth in advertising is something of a rarity, but not every untrue statement is false advertising. I'm Leanne Lee, and you're listening to Ad Attorneys at Law, our podcast series devoted to all things advertising, marketing, and digital media law. Today, I'm talking with Randy Shaheen, a partner with Baker Hostetler's advertising, marketing, and digital media team. So, Randy, I understand that you're going to ply us with pointers on avoiding pufferies, promotional pitfalls, and potential problems. <laughs> I'm sure looking forward to this discussion. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Leanne. Good to talk to you again. Let me start by asking you, what types of claims do advertising attorneys need to make sure are substantiated in their clients' advertising? So generally, advertising attorneys like to talk about two kinds of claims, uh, one being express claims. Those are usually pretty straightforward. It's, it's just what they add, you know, literally says. And then the other type of claims we call implied claims or implicit claims. Those are often tougher because it's not what the ad literally says. And sometimes what the ad literally says can be, can be true. Uh, there's an old case uh, involving calcium and, and cheese where the, the ad said that the cheese slices are made of, with six ounces of milk. And that was literally true. Uh, but then the government found an implied claim that the amount of calcium in that slice of cheese was the same as the amount of calcium in six ounces of milk. And unfortunately, that was not true because when you cook the milk and process it and so forth, you lose some of the calcium. So implied claims are, all, are not about what you literally say, but about what you are suggesting or implying either through pictures or words or uh, visuals, et cetera. So with that in mind, what is puffery exactly? So so a puff, a claim or, or statement that's puffery is, is meant to be something that falls outside of those two areas. So with an express claim or an implied claim, you're expected to have proof for those claims. You're expected to be able to show that those claims are true. Uh, but a puff falls outside of that, that requirement. So if something's just puffing, it's an exception to this notion that you have to substantiate the claim or show that it's true, uh, and and so it's it's a free hall, it's a free pass it's a free hall pass and and the marketing people love puffs because they don't have to worry about whether the claim's true and it it might be right it might actually be that that your product tastes great but the beauty of a puff is you don't have to worry about whether you can literally prove that to be the case. So if puffery isn't an actual product claim, why would advertisers want to use it? I think for a number of reasons. Uh, one, obviously, is they don't have to they don't have to, to show it's true. Right. So it, it, it takes the lawyers out of the equation in the sense of the lawyers coming, the pesky lawyers coming back and saying, OK, but how do I know that's true? But I think more importantly, sometimes we just like to boast about ourselves or about our product, right? And puffing often is just viewed as it's kind of boasting. So if a, if a car company says we have the ultimate driving machine, right? That's, that's an expression of pride in, in the company and the product, but it's not something that they literally have to show is true. Um, and the same if you want to say you're a great place to work, right? Or you're, uh, you're, 
compensation plan is the best, right? You don't, you want to be able to make those kinds of boastful statements, but, but not have to prove they're true. And then, you know, we'll talk in a second about the other form of puffery, but sometimes you just want to be funny and, and be funny in a way that's so over the top that nobody expects you to, to prove it or for it to be true, but everyone will talk about your commercial because of how funny it was. So sometimes it's just a marketing, a marketing tool. So with that in mind, what is the first type of puffery? So puffery tends to, to fall into two categories. And, and the first one is kind of you often described as a statement of opinion that's, that's so vague, it's so exaggerated that, that no reasonable person, and, and that word reasonable is key, uh, that no reasonable person would take it, would take it seriously. It's, it's kind of so over the top that nobody would believe it to be true or think that you would have something to prove it with. Um, so just by way of some examples, you might, you might say we're the, the best in the universe, right? If you say we're the, we're the best in the, in the United States, you could in theory survey people about, you know, are, are, are you the best tasting coffee in the United States? But if you say we're the best tasting coffee in the universe, then at that point, Probably people don't expect that you've sent, you know, ships up to Jupiter to go ask the Jupitonians if they like your coffee. Uh, so it's, it's exaggerated in that sense in a way that no one thinks you've actually proven it. Or there is an energy drink that made a whole bunch of exaggerated claims. If you used our product, you swam the English Channel, you set the hacky sack record. Uh, and, and you, you know, ran a marathon, et cetera. You did all these incredible things. And, and the idea there at least was that it was so over the top that no one thought it was literally true. Uh, and then a hotel chain that was making these claims. If you stay, if you spend a night in our hotel, the next morning you can do heart surgery or you can fly a helicopter, you can do amazing things. And again, hopefully, right. Nobody thought, that was literally true, that a, a hotel was claiming that simply by spending the night in their hotel, you would be so refreshed and have had such a great night's sleep that when you wake up the next morning, you're literally a different person. But is that really safe anymore in today's world where it seems like some people believe almost anything? <laughs> well, that, yeah, that can be a problem. You know, what is the reasonable person these days? And, and often when you do consumer surveys, I, I kind of scratch my head sometimes and think, well, how did anybody possibly believe that? But it, it does happen. It is, it is a risk. Um, uh, sometimes companies will add a disclaimer. The, uh, the energy drink commercial, for example, they added a disclaimer that said, uh, you can't actually expect to, to be more, have more endurance or be more dexterity, have more dexterity if you use this, this product. Um, but it, and it's disclaimer is kind of a two edged sword because maybe by putting the disclaimer in, you're conceding that it's not puffing in the first place. And if you do have a disclaimer, then people can argue about whether it's, it's prominent or enough. But I do think by and large these days, you're seeing more and more companies add disclaimers, right? They, they show something that looks incredible and they put a disclaimer in it that says, this isn't real. Um, just as a way of kind of hedging their bets a little bit against this concern that 
these days people might believe, you know, virtually anything. Okay, so that's the over-the-top type of puffery. Um, is there a second type? Yeah, so so the second type uh, is something that's so subjective that um, it's not actually capable of, of being objectively proven. Um, and and that's those are more the boastful type claims that I was talking about earlier. So things like we're the best or we're the favorite or we're the greatest uh, are, are really so subjective all by themselves and con- like everything in advertising law, context matters. But when you're saying something that's both vague and subjective, there's a much better chance that that it's going to be considered puffery. Another great example, there's an insurance company that that boasts that you're in great hands with them. And they got sued. Someone had an accident and said, well, gee, I didn't feel like I was in such great hands with how you took care of me when I had a claim. And, and the court dismissed it and said, look, it's just boasting. No one really should expect that to be an actual claim about the type of service or experience you're going to have or a promise, right, that you won't have a bad experience. Uh, so those those are the kind of claims that fall into that that second kind of category. Now, I've heard that sometimes those kinds of claims can still get you in trouble. So wasn't there some kind of pizza case about this? Yeah, there there is a pretty famous case. And, you know, if advertising lawyers can get into fisticuffs, this might be uh, this might be the occasion. I think there's people who would argue both sides in terms of whether this case came out the right way. But the, the company in this case was making kind of a series of, of tiered claims, right? So at, <clears throat> at the lowest kind of level, they, they said they, their pizza was better, better pizza. And then they added on to that better ingredients. So you had better pizza, better ingredients. And then the final piece of the claim was showing the difference between their tomato sauce, which looked all like fresh and you know wonderful, versus how the competitor started their tomato sauce, which was this like goppy kind of gross looking paste. And so that got challenged. The competitor with the paste wasn't so happy and and they brought a lawsuit and, and the court kind of very carefully dissected each of those layers to decide if it was a puff. And, and so with the better pizza claim, I think probably almost everybody would agree. Maybe everybody that better pizza all by itself is, is a puff. It's, it's this subjective opinion, incapable of being objectively proven. Uh, And so that was fine. And then the court added the second piece. All right. Now you're saying you have better pizza because your ingredients are better. And I think that's where some people would say, well, you've, you've, you've now made that statement. Clearly you've made the statement less vague. Now you've told people, why your pizza's better. But in the court's mind, that still didn't go far enough. That still was vague enough. They didn't say why their ingredients were better or which ones were better. In the court's mind, that was still vague enough that it was still a puff. And, and again, that's where you know reasonable people might, might disagree. But then the last piece of, of the claim was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. So then the court looked at the images of the tomato sauce and said, okay, now you've done it. Now you've crossed the line into an actual claim. 
because you were saying your ingredients are better. Your pizza is better because you use one kind of tomato sauce versus another. or You start one way versus another. And you haven't been able to prove that, cons- that there's any real difference in the, in the end product, that it really tastes any different to the consumers or there's any real difference. Once you reconstitute the goppy looking paste, does it really taste or seem any different than, than the fresher sauce? And so then finally the court was like, okay, now you've said enough, you've been specific enough that you've, you've made a claim. Okay. I know that humor plays into all of this. Aren't humorous claims considered to be puffery? Yeah. So I I mentioned, I guess, earlier that humor, sometimes it's a reason you want to do a puff is you want to just create an ad that's memorable because it's funny, but sometimes do it in a way that you're not actually making a claim and it can get tricky. Uh, And I think one thing to keep in mind here is, you know, when we're talking about what a reasonable person would take away from, from your funny ad, the, the way the courts look at this is it's not the, you don't have to show that a majority of people think your funny ad is making a claim. If even like 20 or 25% of the people think, yeah, that's really funny, but by the way, I'm taking it seriously. Uh, that can be a problem. It, it, it only requires, you know, 20% or so of the people to be confused or misled for there to be a false advertising concern. And, you know, going back to our earlier conversation these days, you know, there might be 20% of the people who, who would believe, you know, virtually anything. So you do have to be careful with humor, but, but there are, I think, examples where it works. Uh, the, the energy drink example, they did get sued. Um, I, ironically, the guy who owns the hacky sack record, the Guinness book of records for hacky sack, sued and said the commercial implied that he used this energy drink to achieve that record. And that wasn't true and maligned his skill and so forth. The court um, found in favor of the, of the energy drink company threw the case out for other reasons, but also said, by the way, like, can't you take a joke? This was just meant to be funny. And and that's how we look at it. Um, But it did trigger a lawsuit, which obviously you want to, it's nice to win, but you'd rather not have the lawsuit in the first place. Um, the the hot, the uh, hotel commercial I think where they say you spend the night in the hotel and next morning you do great things I think that's safer humor because the humor has nothing to do with the product I think the problem with the the energy drink claim is what do energy drinks do they give you more energy and and so this was just exaggerated depictions of what that might look like. And so it, the humor hits closer to home in terms of the claim, and that's always a little more risky. Just another quick example of that, there was a, a, a drink that claimed to help with your memory, help support brain health. And, and they ran a funny, a very funny commercial where this guy's at a, at a mall on the escalator and this woman comes up to him and says, hey, I think you're the father of, of one of my girls. And... He looks at her and goes, oh, Cancun, summer of, you know, 2005, thinking that this is a woman he'd had a fling with in Cancun and, and she'd gotten pregnant and had a child. And uh, and the commercial says, well, it's because you didn't take your drink. And then they replay the scene with him having taken the drink. And he's like, oh, yeah, your sister, Mary Catherine, uh, my daughter's in your third grade class. Right. So he, he pulls it out correctly. Uh, so a very funny ad. But. 
But the problem was NAD said, there, there's a kernel of truth there. You're, you're making a claim about memory in a, in a funny way, but it's still a claim. So humor, you've got to be really just careful with. Well, we have covered a lot of ground today, and I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts as we wrap up. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted to say this is the best podcast ever, since now I think I've clearly <laughs> established that would be a puff, and I don't have to prove it. But um, I, I would say just in general, be skeptical, right? The marketing people are going to like to tell you that it's a puff, because then they get you off their back. But, but be skeptical about that. Road test it pretty well. And, and you know, I think ask yourself, is it worth the risk of potentially having to defend the claim? Uh, is it worth taking the risk or should we? Because oftentimes you can slightly modify the claim so that it's still funny or it's still effective, but you've now said it in a way that, that you can at least offer some substantiation for it or some proof for it. Uh, and that may be a better direction to go if you don't want to take the risk about whether a court or a regulator is going to conclude the same way you have that, that it's a puff because it is at the end of the day, a, a somewhat subjective determination. Well, great. Thanks again. This was a action packed conversation. And as always, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thank you, Leanne. If you have any questions for Randy, you'll find his contact information in the show notes. And if you haven't already signed up, be sure to subscribe to Baker Hostetler's Ad Attorneys at Law newsletter and blog at bakerlaw.com. I'm Leanne Lee. Thanks for listening. Comments heard on Baker hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit BakerLaw.com.